good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. for that wonderful rendition of Karen Drucker's song. And it's a great reminder that we indeed need to be gentle with ourselves, to be easy with ourselves and loving with ourselves like that newborn baby child as she was singing. There are a lot of songs that are out all the time, and I think if you were to tally up words of the themes of each of these songs that probably love would be the one that would be number one. And I thought of a chant that sometimes we sing here that's in that same vein that says, I love myself so much. Go something like this. I love myself so much that I could love you so much. That you could love you so much, that you could start loving me, kind of sums up the talk for the day. <laughs> Sometimes we're really hard on ourselves. And it's important to remember and to realize the potency of self-love. You know, there's a song that the great late Whitney Houston sang that I think was written by Dolly Parton. And it says, learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. Of course, it's appropriate as we're working with the theme this month, love, a radical choice. And it's particularly germane since tomorrow is Valentine's Day and, you know, people exchanging cards, phone calls, you know, to affirm love on some level or another. I thought that one of the wonderful definitions of love that I remember is that love is supporting our own or another person's spiritual growth. And that may come in a lot of different ways. You know, we're familiar with the statement that says that, you know, charity begins at home. And similarly, love must begin at home as well because we have to love ourselves. It starts with ourselves because each of us represent the light we represent the light, the light of every man and woman that comes into this world. Or to update that or say it in another way, I would say that you and I are always the apple in the eye of God, an apple in the eye of the universe whose time has come to twinkle. And twinkle we must. Twinkle we must. Because there's something about us that is always the emanation of this presence. There's always an expression of this power and the love of God that God is. 
And we're here to let our light so shine before men and women that people see our good works. They see the essence of who we are. So today I'm talking about it's okay to look out for number one. It's okay to value yourself. It's okay to practice self-care and to look out for self or number one. It's another way of saying be gentle with ourselves. It's another way of saying to love ourselves and we love ourselves so much so we can express that to others. You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, the 19th chapter or the 22nd chapter and the 39th verse, it says that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I think the implication of that statement is that you must first love yourself because we can never go beyond our own self-love. We can never radiate more than who and what we really are. Understand that each of us are special. There's no one person in the world like you or like me. And as a result, you deserve to be loved not only by those that are around you so many times, but the most important person in your life has to love you, and that's you. So I'm looking out uh, for number one, or practicing self-love is sometimes challenging to do, particularly during, you know, upheaval times where things seem to be happening around us that seem to be beyond our control. But self-love or looking out for number one is not about being self-absorbed. It's not about being narcissistic. It's really about getting in touch with ourselves, our well-being, and our own happiness. We practice self-love so we can push through our own limiting beliefs and live a life that truly shines. So today, we're going to give ourselves or, you know, lend ourselves a favor. Let's take a deep breath. You know, you can even hug yourself a little bit and practicing looking out for number one. You know, just like you go on an airplane, an airline attendant says that in case of sudden loss of cabin pressure, the oxygen mass will fall from the ceiling. And they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first before helping anybody else. And that's the spirit that we're talking about looking out for number one. So today I'm going to look at five ways to look out for number one. As I mentioned in the earlier service, I had a list of 30, but I don't think that was going to go over too well. So I whittled it down to five. So you're welcome. <laughs> So number one, start each day by telling yourself something really positive about you or life. Like, you know, how well you handled a situation maybe the day before. How lovely you look today. Anything that will make a smile or bring a smile to your face. You know, I remember years ago when I first got into this work, I was reading a book by Louise Hay. She wrote a very a well-known book called You Can Heal Your Life. And one of the exercises that she had in her book was that in the mirror, you look in the mirror and you look yourself in the eye and you say to yourself, I love you. And I did that. And I had a lot of self-guilt and not a lot of self-love for myself. And it felt a little uncomfortable for me to say that to myself. And for somebody said that, you know, if you turn, come to your mirror and you don't see your lipstick prints all on the mirror, you need to work a little bit more on yourself. So you look in the mirror and say, oh, I love you. 
God sent you. You are so awesome. Today is going to be a great day because you are in it. You know, we have to be our best cheerleaders if we want to live the highest and best that we can. You know, sometimes when we're on the spiritual path, we, we, we're working so hard on ourselves and, and we keep our attention instead of what's working, we give our attention to what's wrong with us. Maybe we look at all the mistakes that we have made rather than what's right about us, what's true about us, what's real about us, what's authentic about us. And when we think about focusing on what's wrong about us, we end up perpetuating those same things over and over again. So we want to practice self-care. We want to practice self-love. We want to practice looking out for number one first, remembering that you and all of us are unique, unrepeatable expressions of the divine. We have a unique fingerprint. As I like to say, we got some diviner genes in us, and we need to affirm that. Because God did not make junk. God does not make any mistakes. God did not create anything accidentally. You and I are the best that God has to offer as far as this presence is concerned. So sometimes we just get up in the morning, we look in the mirror and just say, God, show me who I am. Regardless of how magnificent it is. Regardless of how beautiful it is. Regardless of how wonderful it is, show me who I am and what I'm intended to be. So we look out for number one by starting each day telling something positive to ourselves. And then number two, we stop comparisons. Now, often we're conditioned, sometimes we're socialized to be competitive, to compare ourselves to others. And oftentimes, you know, it feels natural. and It's okay to be competitive at times, but it also has a downside. And there's no point in comparing ourselves to anyone else on the planet because there's only one you and me. And the only person we should ever compare ourselves to is you and me. I remember reading about a tech millionaire. And he had everything, at least it seemed that way. But he didn't feel good enough because he was ended up comparing himself to the billionaires around him. You know, similarly, I was, uh, you know, reading about a study about some very successful business school graduates. They graduated from a prestigious business school together, and they went back to their 15th reunion. And by all objective measurements and standards, they had made it. They were the financial elite, the top 1%, many of them. They lacked nothing, and they reached a level of achievement that few people ever reach in life. But a number of them were not happy. Many were dissatisfied. Because they compared themselves to others. They talked about promotions they did not get that went to other people. One graduate had even lamented that, you know, despite earning over a million dollars, which is no small sum, he didn't measure up. He didn't measure up to his peers and he just didn't feel good enough. And that's what can happen when we begin to compare ourselves to others. Because we can always, no matter how much we've risen in any particular area, we can always find someone who seemingly is doing more, expressing more, having more, being better in the world. And somehow we may start thinking there's something wrong with me, that I'm flawed. But I think it was Ernest Hemingway who said that there is nothing noble in being superior to another fellow person. True nobility is being superior to your former self. So the only comparison that we want to have, 
is to look at our former selves. So he asks, am I better today than I was yesterday? Am I further on today than I was yesterday? And if so, that's a good thing. We pat ourselves on back, our back. We acknowledge that. And if not, no big deal. We're perfect where we are, and we know that we can begin again. We can continue to evolve because we are absolutely accepted. We embraced by this presence that we call God. It is, God can't help but love us. And there's no throwback in the bunch. There's no God like that. You know, most of us are familiar with Maya Angelou, who uh, passed away a few years ago. I had the opportunity to be with her once. Uh, she came and invited me and my wife to dinner. Uh, she quite, was quite an interesting person, I, uh, but that's another story. <laughs> but I remember reading about the time that uh, she was much younger, and she, when she was very young, she was uh, assaulted, and uh, it left her almost paralyzed, where she couldn't even speak aloud to other people. And she was going to her music instructor, a mentor, and he asked her to read this passage in the book, Lessons in Truth, over and over again that said, God loves me. And she would say it kind of half-heartedly, and he said, read it again. And she said, God loves me. And he said, read it again. God loves me. So she got into it. And something clicked within her at that moment. Tears began to come down her eyes and she began to open up and began to open up to new possibilities in her life. So we want to make sure that we affirm ourselves. And so number two, looking out for number one, we don't want to compare ourselves to other people. If we don't do that, we'll begin to shift the conversation. We'll shift the energy. and It'll help us feel and practice more self-love. And then there's number three to looking out for number one and to practicing self-love, and that is to end all toxic relationships. Because not everybody takes responsibility for the energy that they put out into the world. If there's someone who is bringing toxicity into your life and they don't take responsibility for it, they, that might mean they need to, you might need to step away from them for a moment. You know, there was a young man I talked to a while back, and I remember he was telling me he had a really good job, and he had been there for a number of years, but he endured the daily stress of working with people he could not stand being around. <laughs> and he said he ended up, you know, over time and had severe back pains and had a crick in his neck and pains in his foot and, and all that kind of stuff. He didn't know why until he finally moved to another department and removed himself from that company, and, and, and he felt a lot better then. Now, I always said a little earlier that, you know, he probably could have come to Spiritual Life Center, maybe took the quantum process, created a whole new story around what was going on. But at that moment, that was the best thing for him to do. You know, for those who are familiar with 12-step programs, you know, if you want to be whole, you want to heal from any addictions that you have, they tell you you got to stay away from people, places, and things, mostly people, that fuel that addictive behavior and hinder for you from having that healthy, wholesome life. Sometimes they just be members of the family. You know, I know one person was relating to me that, you know, no one but her family could make her go from complete calm to instant rage, just a look or from an offhand comment. And she said that, well, Christmas was like, you know, particularly insane. And she said that all year the family, you know, avoided one another. 
And then they got together on Christmas and supposedly have a get together for three or four hours for fake politeness, tense politeness, you would say. And then after about 20 minutes, they were hissing and spitting at each other like a nest of vipers. And then they would reel away and, you know, be gone again for another 12 months and to avoid, you know, connecting with each other. Again, once again, maybe they should have had a family intervention and everybody come to Spiritual Life Center, take the quantum process. They have a whole different story about each other. But at that moment, that's where they were. And she said that, you know, three years went by and she used to tell her family every year, I'm working on Christmas. And she'd much rather spend time with people she wanted to be with instead of seething with resentment. Again, you know, she probably taking the quantum process and that would be a different story, but that's a whole different thing. In the meantime, you can still love those individuals from afar. You don't have to be around them. You don't have to necessarily take them out to dinner. You can still send them loving energy, but you don't have to be in their presence. We don't need to be afraid to do this because it may be challenging. Sometimes it may even be painful. It may feel that way in the short term. It's important to protect your energy, to protect yourself. And it's not rude or wrong to sometimes remove ourselves from situations or from company of people who are draining us. I mean, anyone around that somehow radiates a vibe that makes you feel less than amazing doesn't deserve to be part of your life anyway. So point number three to looking out for number one in those kind of relationships, or at least create some distance until you, you know, take some courses to transform your whole perspective on how you see another individual. Because behind all that, there is a divine presence within them that maybe it's hard to see. But then number four, looking out for number one, to practice more self-love and self-care. Take time to calm your mind every day. Somebody said that sometimes the you know, our enemies within our own household. Sometimes the most difficult challenge is not anything outside of us, but what's going on inside our mind from time to time. So sometimes we just have to breathe in and breathe out and clear our mind of the thoughts and just be and ask sometimes yourself, when's the last time I did absolutely nothing for 10 whole minutes? No texting, no emails, not talking, not even thinking consciously. It can be transformative just to do that. We're refreshing our mind for that 10 minutes a day simply being in that experience, in that present moment. And we don't have to do anything special. We have to write any, light any incense or candles or do any incantations or dances or anything that, that or get any uncomfortable positions. We can just be for a little while. And sometimes when we just be, the world lets us be. We're in peace. You know, we mentioned in, you know, the season for nonviolence, Martin Luther King, and uh, he was asked one time in an interview, you know, he's been working 80, 90-hour weeks and traveling all over the country, fulfilling his purpose, and it probably was extremely exhausting, and and he was getting, uh, you know, some progress done. and, And someone asked him, well, if you could do anything different, what would you do? And he took a moment and said, you know, I would meditate more often. So sometimes we need to take time to calm our own minds, do that on a regular basis. I think our soul will thank us because we're looking out for ourselves and then we can be better at whatever we're doing. 
And then number five, looking out for number one and practicing that self-love. Sometimes I have to learn to say no. I'd mentioned it earlier that, you know, watching some of the Winter Olympics, I don't know all about the, the, the events and the Olympics, but I, I was actually watching some of the, the curling event. You know, it looked like they got a, a broom and they're pushing this, you know, disc down, the, you know, the ice and everything. I, I, I was just fascinated, but I don't know why I was transfixed by it. I started looking up and said, How does, what's the strategy behind this? I'm trying to understand this thing. So, because I always like looking at people who are great at what they do, no matter what it is. But it reminded me of uh, Simone Biles, who's the, uh, you know, probably the most decorated Olympic gymnast in history. And she was in the Olympics in the summer in uh, Tokyo. And she stunned the world when she withdrew from the competition. And she did so because she began to lose track of herself when she was attempting uh, her vaults in the air. And she had a, a condition or a situation called twisties. And you know, she disappeared from the floor of her events and she left with her, her team staff and she returned to the team and told her teammates, I'm done competing. I'm done competing in most of the events for the rest of the Olympics. And some of the people chided her, criticized her for abandoning her team and giving up. And, but those who criticized her had no idea of the danger that she had been putting herself in because of this thing called twisties. She did it for the health of her well-being. And despite the pressure that she felt from others to continue, she demonstrated what it means to practice self-care, which is a cornerstone of self-love. It's looking out for number one. Because if you don't look out for you, nobody else will. I think when we treat ourselves with a compassionate hand, when we accept on a profound level, not only do we deserve the best, but we're willing to take the best that the universe, the God, the force has to offer us. So a great way to practice self-love is through self-care. And I think Simone, in that case, practiced self-care rather than forging forward, pushing herself forward and prioritizing other people's goals and objectives and expectations. She said no, and she stopped doing what she was doing at that moment for herself. And as a result, she, you know, she's surviving, thriving to carry on for another day to her next stages in life. But number five is to look out enough for number one, but sometimes knowing it's okay to say no. Sometimes we don't want to do that. We think when people react in a certain way, but but I began to realize that most of the time, you know, you say no, they're going to go to somebody else and ask them. <laughs> you know, that's to close out. I said I had five. Actually, I had 30, but I'm not going to do the 30. I said. But I want to leave you with a, a bonus. How to love yourself and look out for number one. And that's not to give up on your dreams and visions that you have for your life, no matter what stage you may be in. Don't limit yourself by doing something that's seemingly possible or limiting yourself to what you think you can have. I always say that if you have a dream or a vision of only what is possible, then it's not God's idea for your life. Like I said, God loves us too much to leave us alone. It should be something that is so beyond what we think we can do that it'll only happen if we allow this presence to assist us along the way. 
So we don't want to limit ourselves by thinking what we, our vision is somehow limited to what's possible by our surface mind, by our limited mindset. On some level, I think we all want to change the world. I know I do. They used to call that delusions of grandeur. But I say it's just God speaking through us, the force speaking through and as us, so us to do what we're here to do, whatever that might be, large or small, because there's no large or small in the mind of God. And regardless of how it manifests, or even if it manifests at all, it may not manifest the way that we want it to. Just by going for it changes the world. I think the true heroes and and individuals are those who don't give up on their dream. Those individuals who go for it, even if they fail over and over and over again, it does not, and it does not come into manifestation. There's something wonderful taking place anyway. There's a transformation taking place in character. There's a transformation taking place in consciousness because somebody is going for it because you're going for it. You are changing the thought atmosphere of the planet on which we live because you're not only affecting yourself, but you're also affecting others, future generations, because you're going for it. You may be affecting people even across the planet, don't even know it, because we're all energy and energy travels instantaneously. So we go for it. Like I said, those who are the real heroes and heroines are those who do not give up. So when you look out for number one, you're protecting your power, your innate power that is within each and every one of us. And even if you don't feel particularly powerful about that at any given moment, understand you can look at how far you have come, how you've survived, whatever challenges you've had along the way that you're powerful beyond measure and you're here right now alive and powerful beyond your own knowledge. So be patient with yourself. Engage in self-care, self-love. You know, it may not happen overnight, but with time, you'll settle into it. Your heart will feel it. And life will have struggles from time to time. But we'll look back in, on those moments and see how those things were not tombstones, but stepping stones to greater good in our journey of life. Our journey to become the best that we're here to be. But it all begins by how well we take care of ourselves. So choose you. Care for you. Love you. Then you can choose and Love and care for others to the same degree or even more than you do for yourself. So happy Valentine's Day. Choose you. Look out for number one. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Transforming lives as we love, serve, and remember.
one heart.